is enough for me. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough. Your grace is enough for me. Could you turn my guitar up a little bit in the speak in my ears? Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. That's good. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough Heaven's reaching down to us Your grace is enough for me Your grace is enough, everyone Your grace Enough, I'm covered in your love. Your grace is enough for me. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You know, I've had people tell me over the years, say, Pastor, why do I feel bad about something? I'm living for God. I'm, I'm doing everything I can do to, to do right before God. Why do I feel bad about something? Does anybody have an idea why? I'm sorry? Conviction? Why would I feel, if I'm doing everything I know to do, I'm living for God, I'm trusting Him, why would I feel bad about something? I'm not talking about it being bad, something you're doing wrong, you know that. But why do you have that? The devil's after you? Conviction? What else? Sorry? Holy Spirit? They're all correct answers. How many remember the difference between guilt and condemnation? Condemnation and conviction, I mean. How many know the difference? What is it, Sam? Conviction draws you to, condemnation repels you from. So you say, okay, pastor, I'm doing right. I'm not doing wrong, but why do I still feel this way? The word of God says, whom he loves, he challenges to grow even more. He purges. He deals with areas of our lives that we might not even think need to be dealt with. How many ever had something just kind of pop up on you and you said, I thought that thing was dead and gone. Anybody besides me? God's dealing with those things. And he'll continue to deal with them. 
until they're purged from our lives. That's why our prayers before God is, search me, God. Try me. Ultimately, God, change me. There's an old psychology adverb, if you will, that says the thing you don't like the most in somebody else is generally the thing you don't like the most in you. Now, I'm sure there's some semblance of truth in that because it's like looking in the mirror and saying, well, I don't like that piece. I don't like that person. And then we start thinking about it. Well, maybe it's that piece of me. Well, that's what the Bible says, that a man beholding his face in a glass is like It's like when we're standing above a stream and we look back and see our reflection. And we see the man that is there, but we forget the image that remains. And that image that remains is the image that God is building. We can take the image that we see and we can change it with makeup. We can change it with with, uh, hairstyles. We can change it with all kinds of things. But the reality is that image that remains when we walk away, that's the image God's working on. And I want you to hear this because we're going to get into this armor of God thing. And folks, there's a whole lot more than just the surface. And this song needs to be a prayer. This needs to be a purpose of our lives that we sit before God and say, Change my heart, oh God, make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Let's say it again, everyone. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and shape me. This is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like 
This is our prayer. Gone 2018. This is our prayer. God, we want to be what you want us to be. We want to do what you want us to do. God, it doesn't make any difference what 2017 did or didn't do, held or didn't hold. God, what matters is that chapter, that book, that story is closed. Now, Lord, I know as part of the bigger plan of you in our lives, God, the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the things we did right, the things we did wrong. But, Lord, that chapter's closed, and today begins a brand new, brand new day. 365 pure white pages of life that we have the ability to let the master painter color, the master artist and scribe, we are your workmanship created in you. God, we thank you and we praise you, Father, that you have your way with our lives this year in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed with me said, amen. Praise God. We have notes. Everybody have your notes. If you don't have notes, where are they at, honey? Back on the table in the back. Okay, do you have a microphone, Will? Are you going to be our runner today? Where's Will? Huh? Are you running today or? Oh, you're doing the kids thing. That's right. That's okay. There it is. Okay, so what I want you to do is is get into your notes, and we'll jump into this really quick. Let me make sure I get all of my stuff open the way I want to. We laid a foundation the last couple weeks on the armor of God and what the armor of God is really all about. Now, I've heard this, I've heard this subject taught, or not taught, I've read books, I've, I've, I've listened to teaching on it, and so much of it over the years has been pretty superficial, you know, basically talking about the overview of what the armor is all about. Well, what I want to do is I want to try to take us into 
a little more depth of what all of this means. Because as a pastor, my job and everyone that has answered the call of pastor, our job is to equip the saints for the work of God's kingdom. Every one of us, that's our job. Our job is not to just do things and a fellowship and hang out and, and drink coffee and, and only work two hours a week like I do. Yeah. Our job is to equip the saints with the ability to live a victorious, productive Christian life. There is no other reason I signed up for this. Because, folks, except for the retirement plan being out of this world, this thing's got some issues. Okay? Okay, there, there we go. I, I thought some of you will get it after you leave today, but that's okay. We're, we're good. And so... You know, I, I sit down and I look at this and say, okay, God, accept it being for the purpose of growing your people and drawing people closer to you. Why else would anybody want to pastor? Why else would anybody want to enter into the ministry except the joy my wife and I share when we see a life changed, when we see a, 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 a life that was lost now be found, that was blind that now sees and deaf and now ears that that is crippled and just kind of kind of crawling through life now being able to stand up and say i've got victory so over the next few weeks and this this is all in your notes i'm going to try to look at the most needed but the least understood passages in the bible referring to the armor of god many have used it many have quoted it this particular passage, but very few have taken the time to study this passage and to understand how to apply it to their lives. Now, I'm not talking about just the pastor. I'm talking about the folks in the church. They come, and the only understanding they have of it is what they hear across the pulpit or they picked up in a book. The application of it is 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 far from their reach, not because it's not within their grasp, but it's we choose not to take the amount of time necessary to understand it. So we will strive over the next few weeks to grow stronger in the Lord and the power of his might. You have your notes in front of you? Okay. There's a particular word I want you to underline. We will strive to learn to grow stronger in the Lord and the power of whose might? You're right. I had to. I had to get to. A, I had to start with a scripture because I have too much stuff in front of it. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Jack, can I use you again to read Ephesians six? Thank you, sir. Uh, Ephesians six. All the way down to the 22nd verse. I had the 17th verse in your scriptures, and, and I meant to add the 20. Folks, let me, let me, let me say something here real quick. Six uh, chapter um, 10 through 22. You see your notes here? I've only got so much room. And so a lot of times... Uh, you'll have a lot of stuff that's not in your pages because I just don't have room unless I want to put together a whole booklet for you every time. And I don't, you know, frankly, 
I just, I don't want to, yeah, that's just, it's enough just to do this. So if you would uh, uh, take this and understand that there's there's a lot of notes that are not in here, but I want you to write, take notes, okay? So the statement that I'm making, and we're going to read it here in just a minute, and so I'm going to have you underline it in the scripture itself. We're going to stand in the Lord and the power of his might by studying the truth found in God's word, okay? So I want to preface this study by saying these words. Satan basically has three objectives. Now, I believe I left this in your notes. Yes, I did. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Basically has three objectives. And we're going to get into that just as soon as Jack reads Ephesians 6, 10 through 22. And then that very first line, Jack, I'm going to have you stop on, on chapter 10, okay, because I want, to, I want to emphasize that, and then I'm going to let you read the rest of it through. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with the 10th verse. Now, I recommend highly, folks, that you have your Bibles, that you go through your Bibles, you learn where this stuff is in your Bibles, because I'm watch, I watch the news, I, I, I pray, I, I strive to get the spiritual climate of what's happening in the world. Folks, we we are in a very we are in a very scary time in the world. Nothing that a child of God ever has to fear or be fearful of. But we are in a scary time. We've got all kinds of chaos happening in the Middle East. We got all kinds of chaos happening in the South Pacific. Okay? We know about Korea, but we're not paying attention to Japan and China. There's a lot of chaos going in the South Pacific. There's a lot of, folks, World War III, literally, we are on the precipice of. Are we going to be here to experience it or not? I don't know. Okay? I believe that the Psalm 83 war is the next major conflict that we're going to see. And we're seeing this because what's going to have to, and I, I, I don't want to get off on this, but I am going to be this little piece out here. Because of the chaos that's happening in the streets of Iran, because of the chaos that's happening in the streets of Saudi Arabia, because of the chaos that is happening in Yemen and and uh, the, and uh, um, um, other places, <laughs> sorry, my mind just goes blank sometimes. Because of that stuff that is happening, the stuff that's in the forefront, the only reason that Iran is in the forefront is because the media is trying to do everything they can do to throw throw egg in the face of the president and the administration and the different things. Folks, like him or don't like him makes no difference. The reason that, 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 that Iran is in the forefront is because the media is trying to blame us, the America, because we're pulling back on this nuclear weapon, this nuclear deal. Folks, it was the most ludicrous deal ever made to give a madman nuclear weapons. I'll leave that alone. But that's the reason you're seeing so much focus on that. But it's the stuff behind the scenes that you're not seeing that we need to pay attention to. And I believe you haven't heard, you haven't paid a lot of attention to Aragon, which is the president, basically the new tyrant of, uh, of Turkey. His objective is to reestablish the Ottoman Empire, which is the forerunner of the, of the revised Babylonian Empire. 
folks, this is all this is all happening. Okay, and this is you know it's just it's there. So you need to be aware of that. This series is imperative for you and I to know because the only way we're going to stand against all of the deception that's coming in the world, the only way is we're going to have to know the truth of God's Word. Are you with me? Okay? And so that's why I want you to pay uh, critical um uh, attention, discerning uh, attention to the next few weeks. I want to I want to give you a scripture here. Yep, this is outside you know. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. I'm just trying to figure out where to start here because I, the Lord just brought this to me, so I wanted to bring it into your notes tonight. Okay? I want to start. I could start actually with the first verse, but for sake of time, I'm going to start with the ninth verse. Okay? Second Thessalonians, chapter 2, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And I'll read it to you. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. We're talking about the last days. We're talking about the prelude to the final war. We're talking about the prelude to Armageddon. But we're talking about before. And we're talking about before the peace treaty is signed. Before uh, Israel will finally have a semblance of peace and safety, which we know what the Bible says. When that happens, look out because sudden destruction is coming. Okay, because they're going to pull their walls down. They're going to pull all their barricades down. They're going to pull all of their defenses down because they think finally everybody's on the same page. And then destruction. The coming of the lawless one will be the accordance of how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs of wonders for what purpose? To serve the lie. Okay, that's, I'm, that's the New International Version. Okay. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are who? Perishing. Now we think, well, that's the unsaved. That's those that, those, those that, 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 uh, that aren't, won't, that aren't living for God. And that, now there's a key phrase, living for God. Okay? All the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Look at it goes on. They perish because they refuse to love the truth. And so be saved. There's people that can quote scripture, that have the scripture memorized better than me, but are no more Christian than the devil himself. Okay? When you love the truth, you live the truth. You apply the truth. Go ahead. Why what? I was just talking to somebody else tonight, and I won't mention their name unless they raise their hand and I can give me permission to use their name. But they had some folks 
that were working in their company and, and, and they found out they were Christians. So they purposely went out to study the scriptures to find out what they could do and not do without getting fired. You see, the way people do, this is how Satan works. You see that passage, the ninth verse? In accordance to how Satan works. How does Satan work? Deception. There's a, there's a form of godliness, but they deny the power, which can change their lives. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about in this armor of God thing. How many are with me so far? Great question. Did I, did I answer it okay? Okay. Because the Bible says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So why is it strange that his ministers are not transformed into ministers of righteousness? They know the Bible better than we know. Why? How can they deceive those that shouldn't be deceived? Except they use the same language. But how do we know? We're going to talk about it. The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is all has to do with truth. And in this day and hour we live. So look with this. Now, folks, grab a hold. Look what it says here. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, look at this, God is going to send a powerful delusion so that they will believe their lie. A couple of you shaking. Look at it. And so they'd be condemned who all who believe not the truth, but delight in unrighteousness. They delight in doing their own thing in life. They delight in playing church and playing the game. There's folks, people, folks, there's people that God brings that, not God, there's people that the devil brings in the church and they are wolves in sheep's clothing. And they come in solely. Oh, hey. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> folks, it's it's real. It's getting worse in the day and hour we live. Some start out awesome, and then they wind up terrible for whatever reason. You had a question, uh, Carlos. Did you? I was just going to say some people think that uh, the deception might be uh, UFOs or something like that. Well, if you, okay, there is a, once again, a renewed interest in UFOs and flying saucers and this and that. I don't know if you've seen it in the news, you've watched it. Folks, this kind of stuff, I have people ask me literally on a regular basis, Pastor, did you see this? Pastor, did you see this? I've seen most of it. Okay? No, I don't catch everything. And you may bring something to me I haven't seen. But my wife gets irritated because I'm always in the news. I'm always in the computer. I'm always in the stuff. Because my job is to help us to stay aware. That's part of my job. Are we okay? Okay. Look what God says. Because they chose not to love the truth, but to pleasure and unrighteousness. God said, okay, fine. I'm going to send a spirit of strong delusion that they might believe 
the lie. This is not a time to be playing church. This is not a time to be in it for for yourself. This is not a time, folks. We, I, I don't, you know, I've been talking about the last days since the 80s. And they've been talking about the last days before that. And folks, I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I do know this is not the time to be playing. Jack, would you read us Ephesians 6? And I just want you to read just verse 10 right now, and then I'm going to continue on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Finally, Paul's written the entire chapter of Ephesians. He's laid out all kinds of things about family relationships, marriage relationships, work relationships, societal relationships. He's, he's written all kinds of things, and he lays through it all that we've got to get our minds into God's Word. Renew our minds into the Word of God. Get ourselves solid in the Word of God. And then in the last chapter, in the last 12 verses, I don't remember exactly how many verses are, 12, 15 verses of Ephesians 6, he starts out by saying these words. He says, finally, he's left all of this stuff laid out, and he said, guys, understand. That's what the word finally, it says, grab a hold of this. Finally, you want to overcome? You want to be victorious? Stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So if you write in your Bible, if you underline in your notes, underline that word his. Because, folks, why well, I just can't do it. It ain't about you. It's about God in you. You and I have the ability. All power, the Bible says, operates in us that we can overcome all the power of the enemy. Okay? So then he goes on after this, he said, my mighty power. And then he gives us a step-by-step breakdown on how to do that. It's not difficult to live a victorious Christian life. It's not difficult. This This is going to sound difficult. It's not difficult to die to yourself, your ambitions, your desires, your wants. No, you can have your wants, your desires, your amb- all that stuff, as long as they are under God and they're in God's objective. The minute they get outside of God's object- objective, now it becomes idolatry. When it becomes about anything but God's plan for your life. Now that's hard preaching. But folks, read your Bible. Your life is not your own. We can't just, well, this is what I want to do. Okay, wonderful. Where's God? Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure God will be there. That's not how God works. Well, God, I want you to get a part of my plan. Well, what about my plan? I'm the one that saved you. Folks, there was a little thing that I think Lucinda posted on Facebook, and I thought, I love some of the stuff you post. No. <laughs> well, actually, some of your recipes are amazing. Yeah, I don't, of course, I just don't get invited over, but no, I'm just kidding. But she posted this this uh, one thing, and I, I responded to it. And, and I'm trying to remember exactly what the post said. 
But I responded to it, folks. He died for us. The least we could do is live for him. The least we could do is live for him. Get over by the microphone, Carlos. And then, Jack, when we're done with this, you're going to read all the way down the 22nd verse, please. There was a song we were listening to when we were coming into church tonight. I just listened to the lyrics. I don't know what the name of the song is, but it said uh, to seek the Savior, not just the saving. Seek the Savior, not the saving. Folks, sad reality, the church is filled uh, filled with people looking for fire insurance. Thanks, Valerie. <laughs> Did you hear Valerie? That was actually funny. Like everything I not that I say is not funny. Okay, my humor does get better. Okay, well, maybe it doesn't. Okay, don't go there. Okay. But they are. And the sad reality is sooner or later, somebody has to pay the premium. Okay, so Jack, read through this. Okay, uh, down to the 22nd verse, please. Start with the 10th verse, please. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in Could his mighty power. Could you turn him up for me? Could you turn him up a little bit? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the, evil's devil, against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take take your stand. You. you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to everything, to stand, stand firm. Then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You see how Paul begins this? He said, guys, gals, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And then he concludes it. And and I'll, I'll say this right here. He concludes it says, please pray for me that I don't compromise my words, that I don't speak something because I'm afraid it's going to offend somebody, that I don't not say something that people need to hear for fear that it'll cost something. He said, I'm an ambassador in chains. Now, Paul was literally in chains, but he also said, I'm a bondservant to the Lord. I'm a slave to the Lord. His love constrains me. And Paul said, I want to speak the truth. I don't want to give in a little bit. And that's what your pastor wants to do. 
I don't want to give in. Folks, I've said the statement for as long as I, I have been pastoring. I would rather offend you into heaven than pacify you into hell. And God's word will offend. God's word. And, you know, well, pastor, it's not always God's word. It's the way you say it. Okay. Uh, uh, let me defer to Paul's claim. He said, folks, I'm not of eloquent speech. I don't always say the right thing at the right time. Okay. But the reality, I know one thing and one thing only. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. So I'll take Paul's defense. Okay. Stupid, I can do pretty good. Do I mean to? Look past the face to the heart. Please, look past the face to the heart. Okay? Jack just read Ephesians 6. I want you, when you go home, read it over and over and over again. This is basically the flagship of our entire series. Okay? Satan basically has three objectives. I'm in your notes. His strategy, which makes it crucial that we proper, we are properly, that we be properly dressed in God's will and God's purpose. Okay, now look at me. Those that little statement right there is the entirety of why we have to be dressed for battle. God's will, God's purpose. Your will will always be opposed to God's will. I'm talking about your flesh. That's why Paul wrote uh, uh, Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Our will is always opposed to God's will. And I'll make another statement. Our plans are always opposed to God's plans. Our purpose. God has a plan and a purpose. That's why I tell people, you're going into business, you're going into a job, you're going into a career, you're going into all of this stuff. Ask yourself, God, am I going or are you going? Because if I'm going and expecting you to follow, you may not. Oh, you'll be there. But the deeper we dig that hole, the more deception we buy into. God, are you leading and I'm following? Or am I leading expecting you to follow? Does that make sense? When my wife and I started this church, and we've had this question many times over the few years. I'll get your question, Will. Many times. Did we really do what God wanted by starting this church? The answer unequivocally is yes. Well, why do we deal with so much stuff? Because we started a church. And because we're doing God's will. The devil doesn't do a crawl in the corner. That's not what the devil does. He calls every one of his minions. Oh, that's right. That's a cute little movie, isn't it? Minions. He calls all of his little minions. And he attacks any way he can. And the most attack he does is right inside the church. It's never the outside that destroys it's always the inside. Are you with me? And that's what the enemy does. Will. So how do you know for sure if it's God's will? Like say you're wanting to 
do a new job? I think I know the answer to this, but it may help people here. Um, well, tell us what your answer is. Does it line up with God's word? Um, I mean, are you are you doing this because you want to or because you feel that God's leading you? But sometimes there's a fine. Let me, let me share. The struggle is never the resolve. Because when you get to your new job, still going to be there. Okay? Because the problem is you're there. Good or bad. Okay? You get out of one relationship into another, you're bringing the same bag, and that bag has your name on it. Okay? You get out of one church into another, you're bringing the same bag. That's why the reality is we need to learn how to leave, because the way we leave is the way we arrive. Okay? When I went through my divorce all those years ago, I told God, I said, God, I don't want to get married until I deal with this baggage. And so I started studying, I started reading, I started praying. Before I ever, her and I dated almost two years before I asked her to marry me. Because I want to get rid of baggage. I talked to pastor friends. (laughs) I talked to pastor friends. You say, pastor, you were a pastor. How could you have baggage? Flesh and blood. Okay, we all carry bags. And our will will never line up to his will. Our purpose will never line up. We always want what we want. So we think when I get out of this one mess, oh, praise God. Folks, the grass is only greener on the other side because there's a broken cesspool. Or a leaky one. It, folks, this is the reality. The problem is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And that problem has our name on it. And chances are the reason God's evoking a change is because the change is really in you, that he can work better through you. And he can do that right where you're at. Too many people with jobs are working for the wrong boss. Stop working for your company and start working for Jesus. Does that make sense? Did that help? That help anybody else? The problems aren't going away, folks. They're never. If you are a child of God, are they getting worse? Many times. But the more you grow, the more you will understand. I told people for years, and I want to get on these three things. To get on, I told people for years, man, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to be saved for 10 years. I couldn't wait to be saved for 20 years. Man, the longer I'm saved, the easier it's going to get. Go ahead and laugh with me there, Jimmy, uh, Cody, and Sarah, and Carol, and Honey. and Folks, the closer I got to Jesus, the harder it got. You know why? I saw me clearer. Three things that Satan has. First, he wants to destroy our unity with God, the body of Christ, and our families. That's his first objective. He wants to, I was talking to a guy, I, I, you know, I was praying for him. And this, this person is a person that, that doesn't go to church. He goes to all the churches. That's what God wants him to do, go to all the churches. Well, though that's contrary to Scripture, I tried to help the person understand. And they got noticeably irritated. Well, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. Well, I started to 
said, well, I don't care if you agree or not. That's what the Word of God says. But I figured, ah, I better not say that. I don't want, I don't want to be here that long. <laughs> Sorry, folks. True confessions. And so, I talked about the assembling together. But just let me talk about his perspective. Okay? I'm a part of the body. The whole body. But there's individual bodies. If my part of the body is the arm, and my arm just goes flopping into a building somewhere, what good's that arm? If it's not attached to a body? And if that arm's attached to a body only for five seconds, oh, oh, now it's useful. But it's time to move away, so now that arm's flopping around again. What, what good is that arm? How can that arm ever become what God wants it to become? Unless it settles in to a body. Every part. But the reality is they're supposed to be a part of a body. Not flopping around doing their own thing everywhere. And this is what the Word of God says. First thing he wants to do is destroy the unity of the body. The body of Christ. That he can ultimately destroy families. Second thing, he wants to entice us to sin. That he might get a foothold. Remember a few weeks ago, I gave you the entire breakdown of toehold, foothold, and stronghold. If you want to get it, go about to go out to the website and look on uh, uh, our last series that we just finished. The third thing he wants to do is he wants to lead us, here we are, into false teaching and keep us from the light of the truth. I don't know if I left this in your notes. I should have. I just didn't have enough room. Okay. This is a this is a quote by a man named Ray Steadman. Ray Steadman used to pastor down the street from me in California, in Palo Alto, California. Incredible man in God's word. He made this statement, and I want you to hear the statement. You can go out and find it. It's Ray Steadman is the one who made it. And, folks, once again, my apologies. I just don't have enough room in your notes to put everything. No Christian has the right to a private life. When people tell you, my my Christian experience is private, bells go off in my head. You tell me how private it was when Jesus hung naked between heaven and earth. You tell me how private it was when he was scourged and beaten and paraded down the street in a mockery of obliteration. You tell me how private. I'm going to calm down right now because I can get irritated. When somebody says, well, it's a private. That's the first picture. That person's on his way to not being a Christian if already he is not or she is not. No Christian has the right to a private life. Our lives are to be lived openly before all, transparent and on display for the entire world to see. We have no private lives, but must not expect to have. This is basically and fundamentally wrong. Christians are to be demonstrators of the truth. 
When somebody sees my life, there should be something noticeably different. Something noticeably different. So let me ask the question of questions. The question that was almost 2,000 years ago set before the whole world. And that is the question, what is truth? John 18, I'm going to give some scripture here. John 18, 37 through 38. Who'd like to read it? Lift your hand up high quickly. Put it right back down. John 18, 37 through 38. Okay, Sherelle, if you'll read that for me. You didn't raise your hand, but I want to ask you to. Carol, Galatians 3, 27. Sherelle, John 18, 37 through 38. Um, Carol, Galatians 3, 27. Pastor Honey, John 14, 6. Okay? What is truth? John 18. Microphone's right behind you. Pilate replied, you are a king then? You say that I am a king, and you are right, Jesus said. I was born for that purpose, and I came to bring truth to the world. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any crime. Jesus said, for this reason I was born to testify of the truth. And those who love the truth will listen to me. And those who don't, won't. Then Pilate asked, what is truth? Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. Okay? Uh, Wilford, uh, get the microphone back. I want you to read Romans 12, 1 through 2. What is truth? Jesus said, I came to bear witness of the truth. He rules and lives. And please hear me. I want you to, be, I want you to pay critical attention to this, to this series and to this specific part because the reality, if we don't get this part, the rest of it is really worthless. Okay? If you don't get the belt of truth... The rest of the armor is totally worthless because everything stands and abides on truth. He rules in the lives and the minds of his people through truth. This is why the Bible tells us that we have to continually renew our minds in truth, in God's word. There's not a single person in this room that hasn't had to second-guess things because they're looking at a situation they're involved in. Ah, what is right? What is wrong? Well, their spirit inside of them is bearing witness to what is true. But the conflict of their will is reaching for what is easy. The Bible says the, that Moses rejected 
the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. The Word of God tells us you always have to challenge your flesh. You always, Folks, this isn't popular preaching. This isn't what the church wants to hear. They, they want to come to church. Oh, pastor, encourage me, soothe me. I'm going through hell. Help me. But that's what help me, help me. I am. I'm trying to keep you from hell. That's why you've got to apply truth. You said, Pastor, you said going through, and then you said from. That's right. You will never stop going through hell until the day you go home to be with Jesus. You will go through it every single day of your life. I'm sorry. It is truth. But I'm okay going through it. I don't want to stop in it. That's why the church world The Bible says in the last days which we are in are heaping to themselves teachers having itching ears. Say, I don't want to hear what the Bible says. I want to hear what I want to hear. And if you're not preaching it, I'm going someplace else. Are you okay? Romans 12, 1 and 2. What's it say, Will? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will bleh, the kind he will find ex- acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What version were you reading? The New Living Translation. What version do you have? Okay. Let me let me read. Let me just read that to you. Uh, NLT is fine. There's not a problem with NLT. I want to read it to you in a different version. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might present what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Mm -hmm. It's the old NIV. It's not the new one. They've changed things, folks. And we have to change things to accommodate what the world wants. Do not conform to the world. Do not. We cannot conform to the world. Are you with me? So let me define truth. 
John 14, 6. Wilford? His name's William. I'm, I, I call him Wilford. John 14. Look what Jesus said. Six. Jesus. How, many think, how many think Jesus is, is a pretty good barometer of what truth is? Okay, good. How many think Pastor Tim's word is better than Jesus's? Oh, thank you. I got one no, but I got I, everybody else shaking their heads. Thank goodness. Folks, my word is nothing. God's word is everything. Okay? So look what Jesus said. Not what Victorious Life said. It's not what the Christians said. It's what Jesus said. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. Now look at this. What did God call himself? When Jesus said at the beginning of that passage in John 14, 6, he said, I am. You can throw the rest of it away. I am. And then he said, the way, the truth, the life. Now, I've shared with you all before that in the temple, there's three doors. There's three gates going into the Holy of Holies. Okay? The first door on the outside is called the way. The middle one is called the truth. And the one going into the Holy of Holies is the life. Those are the names of the three gates going from the outer court into the Holy of Holies. And Jesus said, I am the way. You can't even get in into a semblance of God's presence without me. I am the truth. You want to cross into the holy place? Not the holy of holies. That's the holy place to where you can bring your petitions to God. I'm the way. And he said, you want eternity? I am the life. Folks, everything in your life and mine revolves around truth. Okay? Jesus says, I am. He implies a specific piece of armor to start the entirety of the Scripture. And he starts it by saying, I am the truth. Look what it says in Galatians 3.27. Go ahead. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. All of you who are baptized into Christ, you've given your life to Christ. Now you have put on Christ. Once again, it's not a private relationship. It's a very public relationship. Okay, we didn't put on a piece of him. Okay, when we go through the armor, it's not a piece by, you cannot have any one piece without the other piece. They all work simultaneously together. It's this particular piece that holds all the rest together, and it is the I am of your life. The truth, the way, the life that holds everything about you together. He is the armor of God. 
That's why when people say, well, I got to put, I got a suit up every day. What the heck are you going out without the suit on? How do you, you know, why would you even want to take it off? You say, well, pastor, how do you take it off? By choosing not to live for him. By choosing to be one thing on Sunday and another thing on Monday. Am I making sense tonight? Okay. He is the armor. Some say, well, it's doctrine. Others say it's sincerity. Well, I say it's both. Okay. You can have sincerity or doctrine, and I want you to hear this, and still not have truth. You can be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. You can know the Bible better than I know the Bible and still not have truth. To have the truth that is spoke of here, you must have truth of doctrine and sincerity of will. Truth of doctrine is for the mind, renewing our mind continually into God's word. And the sincerity of the will is for the heart. Out of it flows all the issues of life. This is the only thing that will cause us to be completely buckled. That word buckled, when you look it up, where it says loins girt about, that word girt means to be rested, means to be secure, means to be confident. The way that we know that we are rested or confident or secure or buckled in his walk, in our walk with Christ, is we know that we are secure in truth. God's truth. Well, well, you know, what do you think about, what do you think about going to a different job? Does it matter what I think? What's God think? Yes, we converse, we counsel together. But the reality, I'm not God. All I can do is say, well, where's God? What does God want? You know when people come up, well, God told me to leave the church. Why? What am I supposed to do? Now, every once in a while, I'll say, well, I'm sure God did, just not the God I serve. Why? Folks, when people say God said, why do you think they say that? How can I argue? Okay, and can I tell you the truth? Maybe God did say that particular thing or some other thing because he's trying to spare the church. Folks, there's a lot of truth. But are we looking for truth? Are we looking for what we want? I have people, Pastor, you're, you're busy. Folks, it's called life. You have questions? God has answers. And a lot of times he uses a shepherd to bring them. There's a lot of times that, you know, Valerie don't need to call me. She can call my wife. You know, Valerie could call Carol. God will use Carol just like he'll use us. But sometimes people are more confident. Well, let me call the pastor. And you know it just like Will tonight. Well, I, know, I already know the answer, I'm sure, but, you know, what do you think? Folks, God, I don't have a bat phone to heaven, 
I know some people think I do. Huh? No. Some people think I do. And yeah, God will show me stuff. Folks, I've, I've been in your mailboxes more than I'd love to tell you. Because God shows me things. That doesn't mean that I'm anything special. I'm just a servant that has said, Thy will be done. When it becomes about Him, it's really easy to not make it about us. But it's the most costly thing you'll ever make it is about Him. Are you with me tonight? Without being confident or rested of Christ, being and doing all He said, He was and did, we will never stand when challenged. We will never stand when challenged. Okay, the the buckling, the loins girt about, the binding together is where all of our strength, confidence, and hope resides in Christ. We're firm. When that belt's on, hell itself can't shake me. That belt's dangling, that belt's off, you lose. Anything that's not truth. That's why that that person I was talking to said, well, I just go to whatever church God directs me to. God, don't do that, folks. Unless you're an apostle, a prophet, or an evangelist. Jimmy Cody here, he's an evangelist. Okay? God uses him in many different ways. He goes to many different churches. But you know what body is his body? Where his arm is not just flopping around? Victorious life. This is his body. God uses him in many different places, but this is his body. That's that's the office of the prophet, evangelist, and apostle. Okay? Pastor and teacher, you're in a body. Okay? And that's where you are. So let me me talk to you a little bit about this. Okay? Okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the rest of the time, I'm going to get some more scriptures. I want, uh, we've already read Ephesians 6, 10 uh, through 17. Uh, but what I want to do, we already read 14, 6. Uh, Steve, you got a Bible with you? Okay. I want you to read John 15, 26. It's going to be a little while. Leslie, I want you to read John 17, 17. Okay. And I'm going to try to get through this whole thing. And this is going to take up the rest of the night. And then we'll start next week in First Peter. How many, how many has this been okay so far? Okay, is everybody good? Is everybody learning something? Shake your head yes or? Okay. Okay. The belt of truth is the first question. Somebody have a question? Okay, because I'm going to, I wrote a bunch of stuff down. And this is very critical for us to grab a hold of. Okay. The belt The last thing you, not the last thing, but one of the last things you put on usually is the belt. Why does God say the belt first? That's kind of odd, isn't it? Why do you put the belt on first? I'm sorry? You got to know his word first? Okay, that's good. But there's a lot of people that don't know his word that can still put on the belt first. Why? It holds everything. This is correct, and that's correct. Why the belt first? There was a man that was a drunk. 
He was a fall-down drunk. He was a wine. He, they, they called him a wino. Great worker. He had, I don't know, his blood level, probably more alcohol than it was blood. And there's people that become that way. They can, they can work just as good as anybody that was sober because their body has been so, become so intoxicated or whatever. I don't know the terminology. I'm not medical, okay? But he went to work one day, and the guys asked him, have a bottle. He said, no, don't do that anymore. So, what? As that went on for a couple of days, he said, well, have a drink with us. said, nope, don't do that anymore. Why? He said, I gave my life to Jesus, and Jesus has changed my life. And I'm not that way anymore. They kept tempting him. Finally, one day, one of the people that knew the Bible, the religious folks, walked up to him and said, well, tell me, you know so much about Jesus? You're converted. Where was he born? How long did he live? How did he die? Tell us about his life. Tell tell me something about him. And this guy was mocking him because he knew all the answers. The man said, I, I, I feel bad. I don't know any of those answers. But you know, I know this. One day I was a fall down drunk, and I don't do that anymore. You sit here and say he turned water into wine. I don't know. But in my house, he turned beer into furniture. <laughs> folks, I don't, I, I don't, I have, folks, you don't have to know anything about Christ to know everything about Christ. A changed life isn't in the head. You can go to college and learn the Bible. They still use it as a literary book. Why is the belt the very first thing? Because it represents putting on Christ. And nothing in your life will make a difference without you asking God. Nothing. I don't move. When I left California all those years ago, I didn't get it up and move. God, where do you want me to go? Went to Arizona. I left. Okay. I left $2.2 million worth of homes. I sold them, paid all my debt off. And I was living in a broken down trailer leaning up against a horse barn. Because that's where God said go. See, folks, it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. When I came up here to Flagstaff, my wife and I, I did not want to start a church. Folks, I've done this a long time. The last thing I want to do is start another church. But guess what? It ain't my will. Thy will. You can quit a job, but you can't quit a call. So we start a, we start a church. Oh, I tried to talk her out of it badly. It says, sweetheart, you don't know what we're in for. And folks, this isn't a bad thing. This is just reality. It's just called people. 
And folks were all messed up. Moses was just the first basket case. The rest of us are basket cases. People say, well, pastor, I come from a dysfunctional family. Have you ever heard about Adam and Eve? Dysfunctional family. It starts out with the belt of truth because your entire life is based on Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I'm not the great eloquent speaker. Not much to look at, but I know Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what it means to put on the belt. The belt of truth, the first piece of the full armor of God. We read about it in Ephesians 6. The passage begins with the admonition of Paul to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The power of his might, the strength of his. This is the key to understanding the armor of God. It's his might. It's his power. It's his authority. It's his dominion. It's his call. It's his plan. This is the entire understanding. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He said, it's all about me, folks. And the minute we come to grips with that, the rest of the armor comes on really easy. But the belt is literally what holds it all together. All the pieces of the armor belong to him and come from him. Truth, righteousness, gospel, the, the feet shod with the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the, the, the lance of, of prayer, all the gifts of God that God gives us to use as a defense against what? The lies, the schemes, the objectives of the devil. And as Jack read there at the beginning, there in the 12th verse, and when the evil day comes, Every day of our lives, folks, the enemy comes. God helps us understand when it comes. We got to know how to stand. Only the sword of the Spirit is offensive. And what is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he didn't use his own eloquent speech against the enemy. What did he use? The word of God. The only way we can stand against the enemy is to stand on the word of God. Everything in the, in the armor of God is used to help us stand against. And the belt of truth is the first part of the armor listed. Why? Because all the rest of the armor rests on it. And without truth... We are lost, and the schemes of the devil will overcome you. It's not a matter that John, well, John, what do you think? Well, this is what I think, and that matters. Well, Pastor Tim, what do you think? Well, this is what I think. There's not a few times people in this church, okay, all of the folks come to this church, when they come to me to, to counsel, the very few times that they do, the very first thing I say, well, what's the Word of God say? Let's go see what God's Word says. Oh, I'll give you opinions. I'll give you ideas. But I want to find out what does the Word of 
God say about this situation? You see, it's fitting that the belt of truth is the first piece of the whole armor because Jesus is the truth. And it's only through him that we come to God. It's only through him that we have access to God. Therefore, truth is the utmost of utmost importance in the life of every Christian. For without truth, the rest of the armor would be of no use because we would not have the spirit of truth. Who's got John 15, 26? John 15, 26. Please find them before, before I call on you. Okay, because we're running out of time. Okay? John fifteen twenty six. When the apostle comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of, of truth, who, does, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. He said, when I ascend to the Father, I will send the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth will have one objective. The Holy Spirit will have one objective. And what is that objective? To testify about Jesus. The spirit of truth will have one objective, and that objective is to speak about Jesus. Okay? I need somebody to give me 1 John 4, 1 through 6. 1 John. Carlos? 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Okay? Once again, we're talking about why the belt was the first piece. Because without truth, you have no other recourse. Okay? And now, uh, Sam asked, uh, Sam made the statement that, you know, you've got to know the Word of God. You can have the Spirit of truth and not know a lick of the Word of God. All you know is that I was lost, now I'm found. I was dead, now I live. Just like that drunk person that I told you the story about. He said, I don't know if Jesus turned the water into wine, but in my house he turned beer into furniture. That's all I know. He changed my life. Okay? Spirit of truth comes to bear witness. When you get saved, God's spirit comes in you. It causes you to be made alive. Listen what it says, that because you have the spirit of truth, what happens, Carlos? 1 John 4, 1 through 6. All right, this is out of the Amplified Version. Okay. Testing the spirits. <clears throat> Beloved, do not believe every spirit speaking through a self-proclaimed prophet. Instead, test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets and teachers have gone out into the world. By this you know and recognize the Spirit of God, every spirit that acknowledges and confesses the fact that Jesus Christ has actually come in the flesh as a man, as, as a man is from God, God is its source, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus Acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the son's true nature is not of God. Okay, stop there real quick. Okay, you hear what he's saying? Just because somebody says, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean they're from the Lord. Okay? And then he puts a statement in there. If you do not believe that Jesus is God, 
You're not of God. Okay? Believes that Jesus has come in the flesh. What does Emmanuel mean? God in the flesh. God with us. I could take you into the original language of that passage, but it literally is saying, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, you don't know truth. A lot of churches today, throwing out the virgin birth, throwing out the deity or the divinity of God, the fact that God walked on this earth, throwing all that out. Why? Because we don't like it. Folks, test the spirits. Continue on, Carlos. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have all, which you have heard is coming and is now already in the world. Little children, believers, dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world of sinful mankind. They who teach twisted doctrine are of the world and belong to it. Therefore, they speak from the viewpoint of the world with its immoral freedom and baseless theories, demanding compliance with their opinions and ridiculing the values of the upright. And the gullible one of the world is listens closely and pays attention to them. We who teach God's word are from God, energized by the Holy Spirit. And whoever knows God through personal experience listens to us and has a deeper understanding of him. Whoever is not of God does not listen to us. By this we know without any doubt the spirit of truth motivated by God and the spirit of error motivated by Satan. This is how we know the truth. Does it line up with God's word? It's truth. Doesn't line up with God's word? Very simply, it's not truth. Okay? Questions? Let me, let's finish up with this little bit of reading I have. In referring to the whole armor of God, who has John 17, 17? Who has that? Okay, Leslie? Okay, uh, and we're going to stop with that here in just a minute. All of the armament is held together by the belt of truth. All of the aspects of the spiritual armor are held together with the belt of truth. One of the armament specifically is belt, belted to truth, and that is the sword. The only defensive weapon you have, God's word, is belted in truth. God's word is belted in truth. So go ahead, Leslie, seventeen seventeen of John. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. Set them apart by truth. Your word is truth. Your word. That's why people say, well, it all depends on how you interpret the, interpret the Bible. It has nothing to do with how you interpret the Bible. How's the Bible interpret the Bible? Does that make sense? How does the Bible interpret the Bible? 
depending on how you the translation you're reading with the with the uh, with Ephesians 14. Once again, it talks about it talks about have the belt fastened around you. It talks about having your waist fastened about or buckled about. It talks about girding your loins with truth. It talks about all these different aspects of how the belt operates. The reason is this, and I talked about a little bit last week, is they believe the in the Roman soldier, the reason the, the armament was built as such, why the belt was so critical and why the Word of God uses the belt of truth as the most primary instrument in that is they felt that if you had a a uh, a debilitating, a debilitating uh, surge in that loin area, you're dead. You're done. Now, you have to look at it from the perspective, your whole future, they saw, resided from your loins, okay? Your reproductive systems, Every aspect that if they if they penetrated that, there was no hope for survival. Okay, so the picture is of the belt of truth. If the enemy can penetrate truth and get you to believe a lie, he's done. He's done his job. That's why you put the belt on. We're going to get into this more next week. Any questions? Did I do okay laying this? Okay, so anybody got questions? Father, we thank you. Did I see a hand? Father, we thank you for your word. We praise you. Help us to grow in you and the power of your might. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year, everyone. See you Sunday. We got a great message for you. So please come early with great expectation.